he was first named Simon, but Jesus named him Peter. He was a simple fisherman off the west coast of the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. He was strong, independent, and had a direct, impetuous way about himself. He was married and lived a fairly normal life until Jesus said, follow me. Peter would become one of the 12 disciples. He was among Jesus' closest friends and boldly proclaimed his lordship. He was also first to cut and run and was first to deny Christ when he was crucified. He was the first that Christ appeared to after he had risen from the dead and Peter would be the first to raise his voice and preach on the day of Pentecost. He wrote his first letter to the churches in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia around A.D. 63. His letter is intended for Christians who journey through this world as aliens and strangers to find their hope in Christ alone. All of these are found in 1st You may have seen that clip before. I preached through this book exactly four years ago in a series entitled Strengthening Truth for Stormy Times. And I'm led of the Lord to speak from this amazing book again. Going through seasons that are unusual like this one, this book has rock-solid truth that will set your anchor where it needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to begin with verse 22. If you want to hear some teaching on the book as a whole, it is available online. Just look for it on our website, generationspeople.org, under media, and look for the series entitled, First Peter, Strengthening Truth for Stormy Times. We're going to begin with verse 22, with the assumption that we are committed believers. He, having laid that foundation, says this in verse 22 of chapter 1 of this book. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Since you have purified your souls, the word there, soul, suke, speaks to the spiritual part of us, or it can speak to the mental part of us, but it actually speaks to the life of us. Suke refers to breath refers to the whole person. When we get saved, someone would say, hey, a soul got saved today. If a plane crashed, somebody would say, hey, every soul on board survived. That would be good news, wouldn't it? So this is about purifying our lives in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Who knows we must obey with the power of the Spirit because we can't do it in our own strength. And how do we do this? Obeying the truth of the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren. This is Philadelphia. This is brotherly love. Love one another, that's agape, with a pure heart. So in sincere brotherly love, we're to love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been, and here's the assumption, for us to do this, we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word or the logos of God, which lives and abides forever. 
And then he gives a neat quote about how people are just temporary. You know, we're here one day like a flower is and gone the next. But the word of God is not like that. He ends verse 25 with, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So the word of God isn't here one day and gone the next. It abides forever. And we've been born again of that word. We heard the word. Faith dawned in our heart. We called on the Lord. We were born again. We humbled ourselves as a child, became a spiritual babe because of the word of God. Therefore, verse 1 of the next chapter, keep in mind he didn't put chapters and verse in this. This was a letter. He wrote it in paragraphs. Therefore, because of these things, laying aside all malice, that's every form of maliciousness. He's telling us how to walk in brotherly love and sincere love and pure love. To lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy. The word all is implied for all of these, all forms of fakery. Envy, all types of envy, jealousy and all the other kinds. And all evil speaking, slander, defamation, laying it all aside. As newborn babes, with a childlike heart, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And then he goes into how wonderful the Lord is and our relationship with him on the believer's identity, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And at the end of that discourse, he says in verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or among the unbelievers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. That's the day of oversight. Literally, the day of judgment, we want them to glorify God because they've become believers because of our testimony. Therefore, because of this important assignment, submit yourselves, be in submission to, and this is relevant to our day, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So from the White House to the outhouse, we are to submit to authority. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, even if you disagree with them, honor them, respect them. They're made in the image of God. They may be, they may be fallen in their behavior, but they have a Savior that died to redeem them. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, so honor 
unbelievers and love those that are believers. Fear God or highly respect God. Honor the king. This is God's will for us. May the Lord use this word to uproot every shred of rebellion that's in us because I know we're being tempted. Anarchy is not the will of God. Servants, verse 18, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. This was written during the days of the Roman Empire when there were slaves who had no hope of freedom unless God intervened. And so rather than rush them into anarchy and rebellion and their death, Peter gives them these wise words. Servants, be submissive to your masters, not someone else's, yours, the one in authority over you, with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So if you're experiencing injustice from your authorities, take it patiently. Don't be a whiner. Be a blessing. But if you suffer for wrongdoing and you take it patiently, you don't have any choice, right? Get thrown in jail, there's no choice. But if you suffer wrongfully at the hands of your authority, be patient, be kind. This, this refers to children and youth. If your parents are dead wrong, providing they're not telling you to kill someone or you know, commit some hyenas act, submit to their authority. So what if they broke a promise to you? The story's not over. You submit yourself to the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. That's a promise from the Bible. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Who wants to be blessed by God? Verse 20. One, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So Christ suffered for us, for our redemption, for our salvation. We do not have to suffer for our redemption or for our salvation, but we are called to suffer for Christ. There is a false teaching going around. Jesus suffered for us, so we don't ever have to suffer. That is not true. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, that's suffering, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we serve the world overcomer, and while we will go through trials and tribulations, victory is our inheritance. Just stay tuned. So this one who we are to follow committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. He didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't say as they're beating him, oh, you just wait till judgment day. You boys are going to be sorry. That's not the spirit of the Lord. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He prayed that on the cross before he died. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. So we have been redeemed from our sins so that we can live righteously 
even when it's hard. By whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Our Savior and our Lord, our shepherd and our overseer, our elder, our bishop. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are called to follow in his steps. And by his stripes, we are made whole. By his stripes, we are healed. That's not just physical healing, but that is healing of the whole person, the healing of the weak part of us that is unable to obey what he commands us to without his help. And his example, his stripes heal us, bring us hope, bring us faith, give us strength and inspiration to say, yes, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. I'm gonna give you my attitude. Chapter three, verse one. Keep in mind, he's not changing the subject. Wives, likewise. Like what? Like Jesus, who is able to suffer even though things may not always be just for us. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, this is silent submission to God and trusting him, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Sisters, when we men get bold-headed, when your husband gets stubborn and you know he's wrong, don't go into rebellion and anarchy and discord, but trust the situation with God. Say, Father, deal with your son. You see, your heavenly father is not only your father, but he's also your heavenly father-in-law. And he knows how to deal with men. Verse 7 Husbands, likewise. Like what? Like Jesus. Well, my wife isn't being quiet, or my wife isn't obeying verse 1. That's not your mail. That wasn't written to you. That was written to wives. Husbands, this is what's written to us. Husbands, likewise, like Jesus, dwell with them, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel or delicate vessel, kind of like comparing an old truck stop coffee mug to fine china. Honor your wife as fine china, as a crystal vase rather than a mason jar, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. You want to have unanswered prayers your whole life? You want your prayers hindered? Or do you want direct line to heaven without any interference? No break in the line. No losing of the signal. Get it right. I think sometimes when we're bullheaded and inconsiderate and dishonoring of our wives and we go to the Lord in prayer, the Lord is like, talk to the hand. You got some homework to do and then come back and talk to me. This is relating to all of us, even if we're single. Not only in our homes, but in our relationship with others. Finally, verse 8, 
all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Do you want to be blessed? Let's pray. Father, I pray that your word would be applied to our hearts today in such a way that we don't forget it. That if just one of the things shared is what we need to hear, Lord, may it stick. May it be like a sword that cuts everything out of our hearts, our minds, and our lives that is unlike you. Lord, use this service today to conform us to your image. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm speaking to you today on the subject, how to live right in times of wrong. I wanted to entitle it, you know, how to live right at the wrong time, but that would imply that there's a wrong time to live right, and that would completely neutralize the truth in today's message. So there are times when things are wrong, but there's never a time to justify our living wrong. Well, you killed my dog, I'm gonna kill your cat. That's maliciousness, that's vindictiveness. Well, that's just the way I am. That's a lack of repentance. That's a mind that needs renewing. And my prayer today is the Lord deals with us today in such a way that some more renewing happens, that some more fashioning with the chisel of his word making us more like Jesus. A subtitle could be 10 ways we can go higher than ever before. Do you wanna go higher in the Lord, in his will? You wanna grow higher? You wanna be fruitful? You wanna live life that he's called us to live? How to live right in times of wrong. 10 ways you can go higher than ever before. How to live right in times of wrong. First point from our text is purify our lives by obedience to the truth. In times of wrong, our lives can become corrupted or purified because we, by circumstances, if we want to do God's will, are forced to pray and to repent of sinful ways. You know, sometimes we want to kill somebody or curse somebody or make an obscene gesture or a threat of some sort or slander someone. And Peter here commends the believer, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. When we obey the truth, it brings a purity to our life because we can't do it without repenting because we oftentimes are rebellious and don't want to obey the truth. We cannot obey the truth in our own strength. We do it through the Spirit's power. Since you have purified your souls, he said in verse 22 of 1 Peter 1, in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So we're not picking up ourselves by our own bootstraps. If we did, we could become prideful and arrogant, look down our noses on others and become judgmental. But every ounce of obedience in my life gives God the praise. Every praise is to our God because by his grace, he's making me like him. We are to love others sincerely with pure fervency. In sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. In sincere brotherly love, phileo, 
love. Love one another, agape, that's that sacrificial love, unconditional love. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. So we're to love each other out of a purity of heart, not expecting someone to do us in return. Sometimes you may get hit with a thought, well, I'm just going to stop loving people if they're not going to be appreciative. We're not doing it for their reward. We're doing it for his. We're not doing it for a merit badge or some man-made goofy tag. We're doing it for a crown. We're doing it for something that we're going to throw at his feet to give him the honor and the glory for one day. To live right in times of wrong, we want to esteem the word of God above the words of men. God's word is eternal. Men's words change. Having been born again, he said, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The words of men rise and the words of men fall. The words of men can be true today and the same promise today becomes a lie tomorrow. Even the government can make promises today and then back out on them tomorrow, make a new law that's retroactive that undoes what you held to today. If you don't think that's true, just speak to someone who's Choctaw or Chippewa or Cherokee. Words of men are not eternal. The word of God is. As wonderful as the Declaration of Independence is and our Constitution is, the men that wrote it did not abide by it as a whole. Some maybe did. Yes, those slave owners didn't really believe all men were created equal. How to live right in times of wrong is what we're talking about today. How to vault over life's obstacles with the help of God. We're to value your growth, value our growth, value my growth like a child desires food. You ever seen a hungry child? Man, get out of their way. They're not happy till you get that bottle in their mouth. They desire the nutrition that they need. Therefore, because we have been born again of this incorruptible word that abides forever, therefore, we are to lay aside all malice. This is how we walk in brotherly love sincerely with pure hearts. Lay aside all malice, all maliciousness, all deceit, all trickery, all hypocrisy, all fakery, all envy and jealousies, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, we desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if you've tasted God's grace, then we have no excuse to not walk in light of that grace and extend it to others and deal with the malice and envy and evil speaking and deceit and hypocrisy that has been our lifestyle as unbelievers. As a baby is hungry for mama's milk, may we be hungry for the pure word of God, the pure milk of the word of God so that we can grow. We wanna grow up in the things of God. We want to abstain from prideful and self-centered ways. We want to abstain from prideful and self-centered ways. 
Beloved, he wrote in verse 11 of chapter 2, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, keep in mind, this world isn't really our home. We live like this is all there is, and people can threaten us and just ruin our lives. They can't. Like the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me at heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. These things that desire stuff like this is all there is in this world, and we better get it while we can, and can all we get. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the heathen, we shouldn't expect them to live any other way. That's what they are. That when they speak against you as evildoers, that's what they do. It's their pastime. It's their hobby. Slander is what they're good at. They may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So having slandered you, your Christ-like reaction will have an impression. Not that you're cowed down and just beat up by life, but that you look for opportunities to express love to people that are not worthy of it, that you express them kindness, that you, as Gary Zeger said, develop a thick skin. I think too many times believers, we have a thin skin and a thick heart a thin skin and a hard heart. May God give us some tough hide, but keep our hearts tender. This is how to live right when times are wrong. Any one of these things will change us. Understand our calling is to submit to authority. Now, there's a popular book called The Believer's Authority, and I believe most every page in that book is the truth but may we not become imbalanced and just become focused on exercising our authority and neglect the importance of our submitting to authority. You see, authority is something that God put in place on the earth and delegated that to mankind. It started with the first man and first woman to have dominion, to rule in the earth. The problem is they fell and passed on sin to all their kids. And here we are, thank God for the Savior Jesus, who redeems us from our sin. But the authority delegated to man is still in place. We still need government in the earth because of sinful ways of people. We need the police. We need the laws of men. Therefore, because we're to abstain from sinful, self-centered ways, because we're to value the Word of God, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Now, somebody said, the Bible says, obey the laws of the land. It doesn't say that. Billy Graham said that. God bless him. The Bible says to submit to authority. Submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him, that is, by the king, so this would be the police, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. 
For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. We've been freed from the laws of men. We're free. We're believers. We're going to heaven. We're eternal. This world's not our home. Yet, here on the earthly plane, we submit to authority because it's God's will. For this is the will of God, verse 15, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You show people that are tempted to be foolish how to live. I'm free yet I'm not going to use my freedom as a cover-up for vice or for evil. We don't live as believers like, well, those laws aren't for me, and we cheat on our taxes. I'm not going to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Remember what Jesus said. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Jesus Christ recognized the authority of Caesar as unjust as it was. Yes, but... No buts. This is the will of God. Next point. Live a life of respecting God and everyone. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Greatly respect him. You ought to be afraid to disrespect him. Honor the king. This is Peter the one who had the revelation of who Jesus was, the one who heard the Lord say, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The one that was rebuked by the same Lord Jesus a few verses later. This is Peter. He's a solid guy. He was restored even though he had denied the Lord. He knows what he's talking about. I think As believers, we're tempted to think we're privileged characters and we want to live by our feelings. Beware of the religion of good feelings. Enjoy good feelings when they're there, but when they're not there, be committed to the principles of the Word of God. This is why families are falling apart all around our nation, is when people don't feel the love anymore, they bail out. It's for better or for worse. It's richer or poorer. It's good times and hard times. It's sickness and in health. That's what love is committed to. And that's what believers are called to, especially in reference to the Word of God. We're to hunger for the Word of God like a baby desires milk. May the Lord give us a hunger for these words even when we don't like them. And we are to take every opportunity to be like Jesus. Servants, we read this earlier. Servants, verse 18. Be submissive to your pastors with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, those are easy to respect, but also to those who are unreasonable, to those that are harsh. This applies to your employer. If you've got a job working for someone and they're not treating you right, don't stomp off and quit and make your family hungry. Stay there. Maybe you're on assignment there. I'm not saying to not put in your application other places, but 
If you find another job, give a notice because you're building a track record that will show up in your employment history. And if you just up and quit, that could come back to haunt you. Embrace the cross. We're called to live a life that is crucified with Christ. He took our place so that we can take his place. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. You're gonna get favor if you just stand up and put up with injustice and serve faithfully. And obviously pray and receive prayer, but don't get with the guys or gals around the water cooler bad-mouthing your boss. That does no good. Bad-mouthing the government, that really does no good. May God give us wisdom to be his lights in this darkened, fallen world. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, sometimes our harsh treatment we brought on ourselves, you endure it with patience. It's one thing to take it patiently when you got it coming. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So God will let you suffer for your wrongdoing. He will. I know Jesus died for our eternal destiny to get us, you know, the rights to go to heaven, but we do reap what we sow. And you slander the boss enough, he'll never give you a promotion because he won't trust you. So that is suffering, right? It's time for raises and you don't get one. That is suffering. And the Lord's not gonna give you a reward for that kind of suffering if you have it coming. Why should a man pay you and bless you when you have been bringing disharmony to the morale of the job? I'm talking to somebody. But if you're experiencing injustice and you stand up like a man and you take it and you walk in integrity and purity and love and mercy and gentleness, and not retaliating in like manner towards things that are not right. You'll find favor with God. You'll be blessed. Who wants to be blessed? These words are blessed. I'm in a unique place of preaching because I'm not fellowshipping with people like I am used to. So I'm shooting in the dark here, folks. If your toes are getting stomped on, just take it because you can't think, oh, pastor's heard something and he knows me. That I, I back off on that. Sometimes when I preach, it's like tiptoeing through the tulips because I don't want someone to think I'm doing something that's a personal attack. It's not. This is the pure, unadulterated Word of God for you, coming out of a vacuum, as it were, and you need to hear it. So if you're suffering injustice and you don't deserve it, take it. You'll be blessed. If you're suffering injustice and you do deserve it, then maybe you're not suffering injustice. Maybe you're actually suffering justice. Trust God, he will bless you in the long run. Verse 21, to this you were called to suffer injustice like a Christian. To this you were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving you an example, leaving me an example, leaving us an example that we should follow or you should follow in his steps. What were his steps? He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. He wasn't malicious, he wasn't vindictive, he wasn't slanderous, just held on. When they hurled their insults at him, 
he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, by his stripes, you have been or you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If we do not abide by these commands, live by these principles, we're going astray. But we don't want to do that. We want the Lord to be our shepherd and our overseer over our lives. And these are things that he calls us to do. These are the things that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write for us as believers. We're talking about living right in times of wrong. We're talking about 10 ways we can go higher than ever before. Ways we can vault over the obstacles to our spiritual growth and our being fruitful in the things of God's kingdom. The acrostic for today's sermon, it just kind of came out this way as I saw it developing. I, I worked with it, of course, is pole vault. Purify our lives by obedience to the truth. Obey the truth through the Spirit's power. Love others sincerely with a pure fervency. Esteem the word of God above the words of men. And then vault. Value your growth like a child does for food. Abstain from prideful, self-centered ways. Understand our calling is to submit to authority. Live a life of respecting God and everyone. Take every opportunity to be like Jesus. Pole, vault. Now, I said there was 10 ways on how to go higher than ever before in life. This is just nine, pole vault. So number 10 is going to have to be an S, pole vaults. Pole vaulting is an amazing sport. And I love to watch an athlete who pole vaults. So here's a concluding point. Seize the same opportunities to live like this at home. Charity or love starts at home. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. The lighthouse that shines on the seas, showing ships the way to go, shines the brightest at the point of origin. So many times as believers, we think these things apply to our lives at church. And if we grow some more, they apply to our lives at work. But at home, we're going to let our hair down, we're going to take our jackets off, and we're going to be our rude selves. No, this starts at home. See, God is our Father. He's also our Father-in-law. He's watching us. The opportunities to experience injustice are at home. The opportunities to be annoyed and experience inconvenience. Maybe in this season of sheltering in, this is especially real to you. Listen, don't turn it off. Don't change that radio dial. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way or likewise, like Jesus, the one who suffered injustice for us, like the Lord, in the same way, you wives, speaking all wives, be submissive to your own husbands, not someone else's husband. 
What does this word submissive mean? It means let your husband be the leader. Pray for him. Let him make final decisions. Let your voice be heard. But if he's a jerk, then back off and let God deal with him. Be submissive to your own husband so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste or your pure and respectful behavior. Man's greatest need is respect. A woman's greatest need is security. And if a man doesn't get respect, it's hard for him to hear and to make a woman feel secure. So I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you, this is the Word of God. You want to live like Jesus as a wife? This is how to do it. When the husband's not obeying the Word of God, you leave that between him and God, and you live the right way and show him how it's done. And then husbands, likewise, like Jesus, like your wives, but you're not following them, you're leading the way. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Be an understanding husband. Are you hard to live with? Are you harsh? Are you hard? Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel or more delicate or more valuable vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Why do you want to hurt your wife? A man that hurts his wife is hurting himself. Why do you want to hurt yourself? So like Christ, we're to dwell with our wives with understanding and honor them as the more delicate, more valuable, the weaker vessel, as heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. This is how to go higher, grow higher than ever before, and it starts at home. In conclusion on the marriage question, let me just say, do not allow one another's disobedience to cancel out your own. If you do, welcome to your future. A life of strife, a miserable marriage, that's not God's will. Be the thermostat in the relationship and make the change. Stop being a thermometer. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would have an impact on our lives in such a way that we become more like you, that we make you smile, Lord, and that we walk in the favor that you give because of the obedience you're empowering us to walk in. Thank you, Lord, for the example of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would walk in light of your steps and that we would see obstacles as opportunities to grow and to exercise the grace that you've given to us. Lord, may we give it to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. On Wednesdays, we also have church online. And we are featuring a review of messages from Dan Moeller on the gospel as it applies to every single area of our life. Now, the Lord uses season to inoculate us, to give us a vaccination against every shred of the virus of pride and selfishness and self-centered ways. May the Lord cook all narcissism out of us through these fires of inconvenience. I said it was going to be 10 ways to go higher than ever before, but 
I usually always have a bonus way, and here it is. It's another S. Stop hindering your blessings. Stop hindering your blessings. You know, if a husband doesn't want his prayers to be hindered, then he needs to honor his wife and dwell with her with understanding. He goes on to say here in 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, this is from Psalm 34, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's the end of his quoting of Psalm 34. Then he goes on, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I often thought this was a verse that related to apologetics, and I think it does, but really it's relating to your witness. When you're experiencing a temptation to become vindictive and people ask you, well, why don't you give it back to him? Why don't you slash his tires? Why don't you give him a bloody nose? Sanctify the Lord in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is what Gary Zeger was referring to, develop a thick skin. Say, I know Christ, he's got this. He's not surprised by all this. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit. And we're going to walk in his steps as he gives us the power to do so and be made alive in the Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that is not connected to circumstances. That shalom peace the peace that comes from his conquest and not our compromise, the peace that comes when we entrust our souls into his hand. God bless you. Go get them, tigers.